podcast where we talk about uh, beer <laughs> and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am your co-host, Carlos Cooper, with me as always. Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney on his way back in time to help us erase <laughs> the terrible taste of failure even before having the terrible taste of failure. I, I, I almost went straight to the co-host and f- forgot the whole thing. I almost watched yeah. the intro entirely, but you heard me live recover from that. Um, the intro has been altered in some way due to a uh, maybe future, maybe past version of myself, um, but it is because we are we're getting into some time-traveling shenanigans uh, here today, diving into the realm of quantum mechanics via film. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, glasses must be moistened, that's whether right. in the present, the past, or the future. Yeah, well, the, the, all that's important to me right now is that the glass that stands before me, whatever its temporal state is, has something in it. So we're going to crack open our first beer from a uh, much ballyhooed brewery out of North Carolina. This is from Resident Culture Brewing. This beer that we are having today is their iconic anonymity. It is a hazy double IPA hopped with Citra, Mosaic, and Sabro, I think. Excuse you, with hand-selected. Oh, Hans, you're right. I got, we got to make sure. They, they must go to the, the uh, hop vines and, and pick their own uh, crop. That's wonderful. This is it right there on the can, hand selected. They seem to be very proud of that. Or they just dig through the bag. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There's that We're too. using this one, this one, yeah. So uh, pouring that in, pretty hazy as it goes into the glass. It's, 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 it's got a high carbonation, too, and I poured a little too quickly. I'm going to have to let this settle. Yeah, I got I got a pretty substantial head on mine, and uh, I don't think I was going nuts with the poor, but uh, yeah, live going beer, nuts. going nuts with the poor, <laughs> getting a little, getting some fruitiness on the head. Yeah, there. it smells it smells great. I'm looking forward to an IPA. It's been one of those days. Mm, I see Mondays, am I right, fellas? Yeah, right. <laughs> I've, I've got a case of them you know uh, what i mean yes yeah. uh, we've never done that on the show have we office no we well, haven't we yeah. haven't and we need to the films of mike judge yes. oh yeah um so if um the episode title that you clicked on to get here didn't tip you off uh we are doing for our film in the first half of this episode, 2020's triumphant return after 29 long years of Bill and Ted for Bill and Ted Face the Music. If you guys have not heard about this movie, you probably are living under a rock and don't listen to podcasts, especially ones about film or get on the internet in any way, shape, or form. But the third part in the tri- the Bill and Ted trilogy, 1989's Bill and Ted's Excellent, Excellent Adventure kicked it all off, uh, followed up with the somewhat underwhelming 1991 Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and now, 2020, they have returned, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, and they find themselves in uh, quite, quite the pickle. Um, they were supposed to have written the song that would unite the world, and it's been some time and they still haven't done it yet. And they are given right. a deadline. Hey, if you don't do it by seven seventeen on this day at MP forty one or forty six or something like that. I um, think forty six. Forty six. Yeah. Uh, reality as we know it will cease to exist, and so they are set off on a time traveling excursion 
to try to steal the song from their future selves who they presume have already written it. Uh, right. It's, a, you know, adequately um, placed in the future. They're older now, just as the actors themselves are. They have two daughters. Um, Thea played by Sam's Weaving of Ready or Not fame. Uh, she was also great in The Babysitter. And uh, Billy, played by an actress whose name I cannot remember. Uh, it's a three-namer. Bridget Lundy Payne. That's the one. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's the... Con- that's all you. I mean, that's the film right there. That's the that's premise. A that's a setup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Hey, remind me the device in the film that gave them the real screen timeline. What do you mean? Why? Why, why weren't they alerted to this many years before? Because the uh, like supreme leaders in the future just assumed that the prophecy would be fulfilled and they would do it. They would have done it already, but as time grows closer, the uh, space-time continuum is starting to collapse on itself. The turntable uh, of time or whatever it was called is starting to go off its axis, and they, the supreme leaders from the future realize they have to go back in time and step in. Yeah, I just couldn't remember why they couldn't have been summoned prior to just the 90 minutes that they had, more or less, to solve the problem. It's small points. Yeah, yeah, small point. Small point. Yeah, I mean, it, this is this is a. I mean, whether or not you want to think like it, huh? David didn't like it. No, 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 no. But I, but I've, I've okay. One <laughs> of the things with the Bill and Ted series that you have to accept is, you know, we frame this as a time travel episode, and I think in the second half uh, of this episode we can maybe get a little bit more into the sort of philosophy of time travel if we really want to. Um, because I think that's a film that bears bears that weight. These films don't n- at all. I mean, you, you, there's no use in trying to. So wait, what was the mechanism that made it possible that Bill and Ted? Why would Rufus come back from the future if they had made it? Why would he have to go to this point to help them? All of that stuff you got to throw out because it doesn't make any sense if you start poking holes in it. You got to kind of just go in and say, "This is a goof. I want to enjoy a goof." And because of that, I'm going to enjoy these films, right? Am I? No, you you don't go here for intellectual content, David. You're right. Yeah. Um, So, you know, and and the reason now I, you know, Carlos has already pegged me. I I did not hate this film. Okay. Uh, In fact, I liked this film. Really? I, I enjoyed this film. I did have some misgivings going into it, however, because... A week or so ago, when we were talking about doing this, like when it when it was brought up, hey, we should do Bill and Ted's. It's you know probably the most buzzed about movie in a while. I mean, I guess aside from Tenet, none of us are going to the theater right yet. So, you know, if we, if we want to hit a new release, it's going to be this. Um, and I had just rewatched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It was available on one of the streaming platforms. I can't remember. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this. It's been years. I don't think I had watched it probably since I was, you know, maybe 13, 14 years old. And I did not enjoy that film nearly as much as I did back then. I, just, I, I didn't hear you. You might have cut out. The, oh, the original? The original. The okay, original. I'm with you. Excellent adventure. Um, 
it's it's a pretty low budget, goofy comedy that just had some problems. I thought in terms of th- that I don't remember it having in terms of pacing. Even like no, okay. I'm not saying like logic problem. I mean, there's that 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 certainly. And I wasn't as scrutinizing a viewer back then. Um, but I mean, even the like George Carlin. I remember loving George Carlin. He's in the film for all but like yeah. five minutes, maybe. But you know, he's really so little of that film. And the the guys, the the various actors they have playing the historical figures are all pretty terrible. Jane Weedland is beautiful, and I love seeing her, but she doesn't even have like maybe more than two words that she speaks as Joan of Arc. Anyway, now I feel like I'm launching into it, but it was a real disappointment, and I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to get on board for this third installment of the series. But I think between then, me watching that and now, I. I was able to drop my guard enough and kind of say, you know what, this is going to be a certain kind of film, and if I can just go in and enjoy it. And honestly, I think that this is a better made film, at least an excellent adventure. I haven't watched Bogus Journey all the way through since, you know, again, I was a teenager. I, I watched a recap video, but um, but there was a lot I liked about this film. So I don't know. Let, let's get off me because I, I'm, I'm looking back too much retrospectively at these older films. Carlos, I, I'm curious about your um, relationship with the previous two films. Um, well, it's funny. I was just talking to um, – okay, so I watched it last night, which was a Sunday, and I had been talking to my mom and dad about it, and they are like, oh, it looks kind of silly, but you – know, or kind of stupid, I think, was the word. Um, but I don't know. It could be interesting. I'll probably watch it, you know, whatever, and – uh, and I was like, oh, well, Kylie and I are watching it tonight. Kylie has not seen Excellent Adventure or Bogus Journey. Um, and but, but, but I'm wondering when you had, had you. Well, I'm getting there. And so we, and yeah, I guess it's kind of a roundabout way. But anyway, we had talked about that with Kylie. And then Kylie and I were talking to a friend, uh, to our friend Haley about it today. Because uh, I, I was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing the podcast now. We're talking about this movie. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I'm sure you've seen it. And she was like, no, I haven't. And I was like, oh, they didn't have Bill and Ted in Alaska. She's from Alaska. They didn't have a lot of stuff there. Um, and uh, and she was like, oh, I just haven't seen a lot of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and so the point that I made then was I felt like at least my recollection of seeing this movie was that it's not a, it wasn't a kid's movie, but it was a movie that as a parent you could show your kids because there's nothing. Yeah. Like, well said. Yeah. You could show like a younger kid, like nine, 10, whatever this film. And they would think it's funny. Cause you know, they're like, Oh dude, what's up? You know, like they've got the silly voices and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so that was my experience with seeing it like at a pretty young age and thinking, oh, this is so funny. They're so goofy. Like, you know, look at all these historical figures and like in modern times, like I know who Abraham Lincoln is. I'm a smart kid or, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and and then my my experience with Bogus Journey was I got a copy of it on DVD as like a freebie with a Pizza Hut pizza that we had ordered once. Because <laughs> I don't know if you guys, oh, I'm sure you guys, you guys might remember this, but you were probably weren't of an age where you cared about this. But like when I was a kid, you could go like through McDonald's and like they would give you like an NSYNC sing, CD single with your Happy Meal or something like that. Like every now and then sure. you would just get like CDs or random shit with like things like that with like, you know, Pizza Hut, Burger King, whatever. Um, and I remember not liking that movie as much and being kind of bummed because 
I thought it was Excellent Adventure and then it was a totally different film. I didn't realize there was a sequel. All that being said, I like those movies, but I didn't rewatch them in anticipation of this one. I don't have like a super strong connection with them, but I, I like them and I thought I enjoyed them when I saw them and I enjoy them as like, you know, pop culture references and stuff. And it's always like fun to, you know, tell people to be excellent to each other <laughs> and stuff like that. So, um, but, but again, I mean, you know, I've said it on the podcast before I, you know, I love a good smooth brain, uh, viewing experience. And I knew that's what this was going to be. Right. And that it was just going to be like, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I, w once I was able to go in with the smooth brain mentality, thank you, Carlos. Uh, it, it, th this, uh, th the most recent installment here, the face of the music, the final installment yeah. went down very easily compared to me trying to watch excellent adventure. Now, what I will say though, in my, okay. So I, I liked the movie. Um, I thought there were some jokes that worked better than others. Um, there were, I, th I think that a lot of the attempts at like, you know, punchlines when it came to the actual like adult Bill and Ted characters were the moments that fell the most flat for me. And so, yep. I, and so I ended up having this really weird kind of deja vu of watching uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, which I watched, you know, when it came out recently. Mm -hmm. And Ooh, oof. Similarly, I and I, I liked Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Like I thought it was funny, and I'm like I'm steeped enough into the Viewers universe uh, to like really catch all the inside jokes and like see a guy that was on his podcast that one time, you know, back in like you know 2012. <laughs> you know those little tiny uh -huh. tidbits, um, and so that you know it was a movie that was made for the absolute most diehard Kevin Smith fans. But similarly. Uh, to Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I felt like the best moments of Bill and Ted Face the Music were their daughters. Uh, yeah. I thought that Harley Quinn Smith, Kevin Smith's real-life daughter, who was playing Jay's film movie daughter, and like her group of people were the funniest parts of that movie, and I felt the exact same way about Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, Another thing that I'll say is going into this, I had seen a lot of people posting about it on Facebook and stuff. A lot of people tearing up at the end of this movie, huh. uh, my wife included. And I'll tell you, I was on the verge. Uh, it, the end of this movie was a very lovely moment. I felt. Which which scene are you referring to? When they're all, when everyone throughout all of the infinity of time is playing oh, music the at the same time, and okay. everything is great, and ha everyone's happy, and it's like you know. A fantastic well, I thought you ending. meant like the post-credit sequence where Bill and Ted, the very old versions, uh, get to rock out again. Weren't, weren't There's you a trying... fucking post-credit sequence. Oh, you didn't? Oh, come oh, on. Oh, I didn't watch it. Oh, uh, I you didn't know. Oh, it's hilarious. I can't, I can't afford I, to watch it, it again. It wasn't a cry-worthy scene, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. The end was really nice, though. It was like the whole world is like, you know, and that's the kind of thing we need right now. We need this light, you know, uh, wholehearted, like just good, fun kind right. of movie. And well, I thought that's what it, it was. I, I like that. I And I think there's something to like – the idea of us getting in harmony with one another, which is very trite in some ways and very simplistic, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? Like, let me see a visualization of that every once in a while so that I can just remember that there are ways that people connect. And again, 
being deprived of live music experiences lately, I guess maybe something like that resonates even more with me right now. Yeah. Just because I miss those times where I'm together in, a, in an area and we're all like vibrating at the same frequency to the music. What, what an amazing idea that they made the movie without COVID in mind. I mean, clearly, you know, this was made in 2019. Mm-hmm. That it comes out now, I'm, I'm reading a lot of criticism that it's exactly saying what you guys are saying. This is a great movie for right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, everything seems so ugly, and this movie is designed to do nothing but be silly and make you laugh and have a very, you know, uh, sugar-coated but, but maybe prescient message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to your point earlier, David, no, the three of us aren't ready to go to the theater yet. I, I can't wait to review Tenet. Mm-hmm. But I'm a sucker for a new release, and if Bill and Ted's the one, I'm I'm, I'm so thirsty for them that yeah, let's watch this one. Mm-hmm. Um, my mind was right to smooth brain this movie. If you can read between the lines, all you need to. Uh, and there were a few like laugh out loud pops in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, the story at the wedding, at the opening scene of the movie, <laughs> where the where the bride <laughs> is the ex wife of both of their dads and now marrying a brother, so. I'm my own father. I mean, that was funny. Um, there's a scene, there's a uh, sequence where, well, the entire film where the universe is falling apart and historical figures are popping in and out, of hit and out. And when Jesus pops into the Last Supper jamming on a cowbell, oh. I laughed out loud. I thought you were going to say when he's walking on water past George yeah. Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> that, was a, that, that was a... Yeah, that was a subtle little peak. You know, oh, yeah, you it really happened so watching. fast. It happened so yeah. fast, but I, oh, man, that one cracked me up. I probably laughed out loud every single time the two of them went with their, yeah, you know, same. Uh, air guitar. <laughs> I, it, it, they did not overdo it, and when they came out, they were fun. Yeah, they did it, like, maybe two or three times. And, and yeah. it was really fun to hang out with Jimi Hendrix, I'll be honest with you. That was a cool, cool part of the whole movie. So, yeah. so one thing I thought was going to be a problem that wasn't, was that it was so clear from the beginning of the movie that Bill and Ted didn't write the song. Thea and Billy did. Like, uh, well, I mean, we saw that coming a mile tele- away. Yeah, it's yeah. completely telegraphed. Their names, uh, everything, all of it. One of, but one of my favorite, actually, this this might be some of my my. There's a handful of these moments in the film, and they might be some of my favorite moments in film in 2020. Uh, but Kid Cudi dissecting quantum mechanics. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed. Is yeah. so funny. Whenever they start really getting into like really <laughs> specific theory about how like time travel works and everything like that, I laughed out loud every single time. Yeah. Loved, loved it. Well, and I love the nod. I love that it's kind of a built in, like, sort of auto deflection of like, yeah, you know what? If you want to get microscopic and weird about how does time travel work, you can, but that's not what this movie is because we always move on. For, you know, it's like he starts laying it out and then it's like, no, we're not going there. That's not what this movie is. <laughs> um, but, but I, so I mentioned the parts that I laughed at. The rest of it, though, I mean, it, it does not help that I was not a big Bill and Ted fan the first time around. And I saw that movie when I was a senior in high school. I mean, mm-hmm. it hit me right where it was supposed to hit me. And, and, and I had loved Keanu Reeves and De- uh, Dangerous Liaisons the year before. And Uma Thurman. I mean, that's a beautiful movie. So mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, and he had already done... Um, Oh, hold on. Give me a second. River's Edge. Right. And I'm so I'm in high school watching River's Edge saying, oh, my God, this actor 
and here he is in his first like star making role. I, 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 it did not create fandom for me. Mm. The rest of the movie, aside from the parts that I mentioned, is pretty unfunny. And I, I mean, it, 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 it I thought this movie was bad. <laughs> I, 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 that's wow. I'm surprised to hear you say bad. I mean, I, I, I gave Carlos what he expected from you. I think, David. I guess so. I mean, I, I had some problems with how it got kicked off. I mean, honestly, I thought the wedding scene at the beginning was pretty funny. I, I was enjoying that. It lagged. It went on a little longer than I think it needed to. But then the couples therapy scene, I really didn't think paid off in the way. It did, I guess, set it up so that they were in these like competing parallel time traveling things. Yeah, it was it was sc- it was screenwriting stuff. I mean, well, and it was it, it was very obvious. It and it just didn't feel very genuine. Like the, it, I don't know. It, it it didn't make sense. It's like why would these time traveling princesses who had come to a later, a future to them, their present yeah. to marry them and all this, now start questioning that they were married to these guys who were on this, like, weird cosmic quest to to write the most perfect... I mean, like, you time-traveled 500 years to do this. Like, you know what was up with the whole... <laughs> I don't know. So just, th- that stuff... No, 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 don't off. ask questions. Don't yeah, question the rules, that, David. That stuff didn't pay off to me. Once they got engaged i loved the bill and ted's meeting the future versions of bill and ted's even if they didn't make a whole lot of sense they i don't make any one. sense at all i loved each one unto itself i love the ones that are uh you know um using dave grawl's house as or mansion as a, yeah. a staging for their fake meeting with them i thought that was wonderful i loved the paunchy keanu reeves you know that that's uh his never... english accent is so bad <laughs> well and it should be i yeah. mean they put you know, it, it was bad back in Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah, the uh, the, the prison yard. Uh, and they're the, supposed to be French. Sorry, ridiculously swole Bill and Ted. Oh, the I prison mean, yard's so funny. That was fantastic. I don't know. So, like, those sequences, I agree with Carlos. I think uh, Samara, Samara, I, I feel like I did the same thing when we did Ready or Not. But, yeah. they, like, however I'm supposed to say her name, Weaving, um, and and the uh, and her co-star there, Bridget. Uh, I just said her name. Something Lundy Payne. I think they did a fantastic job, like in recapturing the uh, Bill and Ted energy. It was funny to see them playing like more like the Bill and Ted characters than Keanu and Alex were. Especially do- Bridget Lundy Payne. Like yes, she yeah. had like young Keanu down. Yes, uh, right. Absolutely. So that that was a lot of fun. And I love the historical, like going back through time and collecting these important musical figures, you know, the, Hendrix, Armstrong, Mozart, the, you know, the, uh, and, the, and then the, even that cave uh, woman. Well, the cave woman. And then the uh, the uh, was it Chinese or Japanese loose player? Was, I think she was Chinese. Yeah. Uh, who I who is like based on a historical figure? I mean, I looked that up after just to see like, okay, so what is that? Did they just no? There, you know, there is this like renowned figure from the ancient past who who was really great at this loot. Like, did you did you look up the concept of the cave woman, or was that just a I gag? Didn't. I don't know. I think I feel like that was probably getting it's into it's a shitty gag. gag. Stupid. What? what was wrong with that? I mean, the whole like, movie's not... stupid if you really want to yeah. get into it. Yeah, but anyway, rules. I mean, it's what it, it, rules. This movie is devoid of rules. Yeah, <laughs> they create the, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I I found it to be quite a bit of fun, and I did watch it with my family. And it, you know, it was one that uh, 
you know, the, I think the girls really enjoyed um, that, you know, as you were saying earlier, I think this is one that you can watch with a big, diverse group. Yeah, and it's, it's good for that. It's potentially that. plug into and enjoy and it's silly and it's goofy and you're going to get some laughs. So I don't know. I mean, I, I really do think that once I was able to let my guard down, enjoy it for what it was, I did. I enjoyed it a lot. We didn't talk about Kristen Shaw. Mm. Love her. That was that's one of the things my girls love the most about it because she's a big, you know, figure for them. I mean, really? doing for what? Well, doing voices on Bob's Burgers. Oh, she was yeah, also yeah, yeah. recently in this uh in this movie we didn't do for the podcast. I know it's kind of an oversight on our part, but uh it had Dave Batista. It was called <laughs> My Agent or My oh, Spy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he plays like a spy who's becomes friends with a little girl it's yeah. very cute but she's she's another agent Kristen Shaw is and she's very funny in that so they think she's a hoot and she is she's I hilarious her. i've loved and her I since love flight of the concords yes absolutely and i love seeing her kind of take over spiritually for rufus yeah i thought that was nice um yeah so so, so that was good stuff and, and dave Grohl and cuddy in their camp she she offered nothing move on she offered Whoa. nothing yeah, she didn't do anything in the film. She was just a, a, a B or C level actress that filled a role. That's what she George did. Carlin she did. didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm not saying like it. Was she a, had a funny collar for her, her performance. Outfit. But yeah, she had a great outfit. She has a great voice. She's just a funny presence. She, the, she's the, bickering with her mom. Sought, I know. I was going to say being sought by her mom and constantly on the phone with her mom, which don't ask me how cell towers work throughout time. But <laughs> I think, and, you know, she's able Not to talk point. to her mom. And I, I, I thought it was hilarious. The robot, actually. Uh, I was going to bring him up, too. Sent to kill him. Pretty funny. Who I didn't realize that's the guy. From Barry. I can't remember. Yes. The, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's the, the alopecia yeah. Um, guy from. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so funny in Barry. He is hilarious and Barry, and he brings some of that to the yeah. like it made sense. Once it was like, okay, this guy who just keeps repeating his name, and <laughs> whenever yeah. like if you've if you've got a little tempest in a bottle, why let him do his best stuff in the last fifteen minutes? Move on, move on. Well, because it would narratively, it wouldn't make any sense if he was just like zany from the beginning. He's like a killer. Yeah, you machine. never want to have a zany character throughout the entire film. Well, not for that role. <laughs> why not? Hey. Joe did not have a good time with this film. We need I to really didn't. His, we need to let him have his period of mourning here where that's he sorry, lost his hour fair. and a half of his life. It, 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 I, it, it was horrible. Go ahead. I think, I think that I think that like part of him not doing all of his stuff in the beginning just made it pay off even more when he did. It's like, oh, this like Yes, that dance sequence was hilarious. It was funny. It was funny. Uh, okay. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, <laughs> fucking, uh, you know, highbrow comedy or anything like that. You know, it wasn't Napoleon, Wes Napoleon Dynamite creates funny. Well, okay. Move but on, move wait, on, wait, move wait, on. What are the other things? I I'm glad you getting, guys enjoyed it. Them getting back together with the Grim Reaper, I thought was done well. I love, you know, William Sadler as yeah, the, he's the back. Grim Reaper. That was, that was good. That was and, good. And his whole sequence of like, you know, being... Uh, you know, angry about the split with the band and how he was pinning it on them, but he had left. And I mean, this is that's the kind of shit that goes on with band. I enjoyed uh, that. biographies all the time, and it was funny to see it played out in that that scale with them in hell at the time. Yeah. I liked hell visual. I thought the, the visualization hell was cool. of hell. Yeah, they they had a they had a budget, no doubt. 
yeah, I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it, Joe. I can, I can tell this is. A, I, I'm gonna be okay. I promise. We're, we're like revisiting the trauma here. Is is <laughs> yeah, no maybe tra- that's the title for this episode? <laughs> I wish that trap I wish, uh, time loop of trauma. <laughs> I wish Beck Bennett's character had more screen time. I, I think he's a funny dude. He was great. Uh, he's I think, a, he's I think fantastic. Some, and that that was some of the disappointment with the wedding scene. Honestly, for me, was that I feel like there was. There was more funny to be gotten out of this idea of the Missy character having been married to both fathers and now the younger brother, and that was never quite fully realized. And I agree, Beck Bennett, he'll he'll have his screen time someday. Yeah, he was he was good. Also, the song they play at the wedding, I personally enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you would. Right? That was like Absolutely. right up my alley, like. Trout mask replica. It was goofy. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, it was good. I don't know. I like. If I were so inclined, I could one hundred percent spend the next thirty minutes picking this thing apart piece by piece, mm-hmm. and leaving nothing but the shell of a rotting carcass of a film behind. Yeah, <laughs> but it just wouldn't make any sense to be that scrutinizing over a movie like this so i yeah i don't know i i went in knowing that it was going to be stupid and that the best case scenario was that i was going to come out of it just having had a little bit of fun Mm -hmm. and i thought the ending was more than i was the ending exceeded my expectations in feel good factor uh And so all in all, I mean, I, I don't think that I could tell anybody like, oh, don't watch it. It's not worth your time, especially because it's like a tight 90, you know, yeah. like it's not like you're really wasting that much time, even if you yeah. didn't like it, you know, maybe Absolutely. wasting 20 bucks. But uh. I, I agree. I agree. I think I think uh, if you go in with the right mindset, you'll enjoy it and stick around after the credits. That last scene is pretty funny. If anybody's listened to that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, well, hold, hold on, know. David. I, ma- I made a joke. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not spending. I'm not spending twenty more dollars to watch that. What y'all think of the price point in the new, in the new reality oh. that we live in? I I am in the sense that you know, if I had gone to the theater to see this, even with just my one friend, you know, even, even with just Aaron, you know, not even the girls, that would have been twenty bucks right there. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, but you we wouldn't spend another fifty on home. food and drinks because you already well, there got food you go. and drinks we, at home. We popped the popcorn on the stove. It was, and you would have been on the front row with your feet up, laughing loud. I w- I would have, and, and I imagine I imagine the day that you get that experience, and I can't wait for you to have well, it, my friend. It'll be there. It'll be there. Um, and and everybody will know my name, but with iconic <laughs> anonymity. <laughs> With iconic and anonymity. If you sneeze, there is, you'll yell there is in the process. No, there is no anonymity for David Gurney when he goes to the theater and a That's comedy. That's right. But for iconic anonymity. Right. That's. I was trying to make a segue there. Yeah. Well, I was trying to well, call back to David Yao, and I interrupted you. Now, what what did you think of this uh, this double hazy? I mean, I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good. I'm I'm. Uh, it's one of those things where that, you know, just full disclosure, this is one that we had been sitting on for a little while. It's, uh, you know, I think probably I didn't check the can date. Is there one on there? You see, um, I, I mean, my guess is it was probably canned in late June or something. So it's, it's been a couple months. Uh, I have a feeling that fresh, maybe even in their tap room, this, this would be a, you know, 
nine or 10 out of 10 kind of beer. Right now, it's drinking very well. I'm enjoying it, but I feel like there's something missing there and like not as much of the juiciness as I was anticipating. Yeah, I don't feel there's anything missing at all. This is a delicious well, beer, and I'm glad that uh, we can bring them on to the show. Can, uh, can we trust Joe's El Chingon taste buds? No, shut up, dude. <laughs> Listen to me. This has no fruit. It has no coconut. It has no, no donuts in it, and it's still fantastic. <laughs> yeah. What if I just took the hard opposite stance where I loved the movie and just hated the beer? Uh, well, that's that's what our listeners love. <laughs> it, it would be a bold take. Now you'd be the one out of three that doesn't appreciate this one. It would right. be a hot take, and it would be an especially hot take because it's a good beer. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a good beer that I have enjoyed a great deal. Um, I agree with David. Maybe like you know, hot off the canning line. Uh, there might be a little added freshness, floralness, citrusness uh, in 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 the mix, but I the if you just handed me this beer and I didn't know how long it had been in my fridge, I wouldn't think twice about it. I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. The only reason Fair. that that is even on my mind. Uh, is because I know how long we've waited to drink this one. But yeah, right. if you just gave it to me and you told me this came from the brewery earlier today, I'd been like, oh, okay, it's good. Yeah, yeah, like it, you know? Good point. So, all right. That's where I'm at with it. Good movie, good beer. Good first half. Digging it. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. And even though there's a little dissent among us, we, at least we could all have something to uh, wash the taste of whatever out of our mouths. So, yeah, and I can't wait to discuss the rules of time travel. That's right, which we will get to do with our second film when we come back from the break. <laughs> all right we're back you sure are uh for the second half of the episode um we are going to talk about a movie that maybe uh you have heard me reference before go back to whatever episode was uh, we did avengers endgame um but clearly before that happens before we get into the film we gotta moisten the glass that's that's becoming a real thing isn't it uh, <laughs> i'll be damned i mean that that i was the one who made the mistake there and it, yeah, i think it's great i'm super excited about this because we get to go back to one of i guess we'd call them our favorite breweries we They're are, right up. yeah we are looping back around to one of Ooh. our favorites um we're, do we're doing what we're looping back around to one of our favorites. That's uh, right. Not closing the loop, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, no. Yeah, but this is um, a little little teensy bit of trivia for you guys. This might be the first beer from this brewery I ever had. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. It was this style, or you know, I'm assuming the same recipe based on the smell. Um, two and a half years ago maybe a little longer than that um it was definitely in the first year that they were open um but anyhow uh so this is their blueberry crumble milk stout uh the can ingenious sorry um 
I was uh, too busy ogling the can to remember that to can. Say, that can is beautiful. Uh, yeah, their can art has changed a little bit over the years. I, th- I, I know part of it is because of uh, TABC regulations for distribution. Um, but anyhow, uh, this is Ingenious Brewing Companies. They're out of Umble, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. Uh, if you've heard us talk, I, about I used to live know. there. Oh, really? really? Did not know that. We've yeah, had, this it, is our fifth Ingenious, and you've never mentioned that. Well, I mean, I moved back to Corpus Christi well before this brewery opened. Well, well still, before but this I mean, that's a bit opened, of a uh, bit of trivia there that we were not privy to prior. Anyway, so this is the blueberry. I'm too, I'm too humble to mention it. I was going to oh, say once, fuck. once a humble boy, always a humble boy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the can reads: "Grandma's love is reborn in a beer, a creamy milk stout exploding with blueberries, dark chocolate, and Vietnamese cinnamon sticks for a silky sip of decadence." I'll say that the first time that I had it, for some reason, and I actually, um, I had the first time I had it, um, I had picked it up at. I think it's called the craft beer cellar or something like that in Houston is the first stop I made, uh, when I got into Houston for my bachelor party weekend. Um, and yeah, so that was in 2018. So maybe, yeah, almost two, less than two years. Ago. Anyway. Um, and we, enjoyed I remember- a, and we enjoyed a bunch of bootlegged, Mule's ingenious for your wedding. That's I'll never true. Remember. Yeah, I'll that's, never forget that. That's true. Mm-hmm. I'll never remember it. Hey, <laughs> uh, had too much of it. Uh, I remember this being ten percent is what I'm getting at. But the maybe eight point three. It's eight point three. Maybe it was previously. Maybe it wasn't, yeah. and I'm just making that up. Um, but I'll tell you what. I have not even raised my glass yet. It's just been sitting on the table where I poured it, and I can smell the blueberry. Yeah. It's like you're in a bakery. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, But I am very excited to be revisiting this after a few years of not uh, having it. Hey, so I'm going to tell you that uh, um, one time I kept this movie, because you guys know I do the DVDs on on DVD.com, the Netflix, when they mail you the DVDs. Mm -hmm. I've done that for, you know, this movie sat in my drawer for six months and I sent it back without ever watching it. Interesting. And th- today I watched it for the very first time. Okay. Well, what a, what a mistake waiting this long. Wow. Okay. Well, so you played your cards right up front. Um, if you, uh, are being held captive in somebody's car and they are making you listen to this podcast without any warning about what it is. Uh, the movie we're talking about, if you didn't see the episode title, is Looper. This is Ryan Johnson's 2012 time travel detective noir mystery film. I don't know. Um, it is... Oh, man. I was about to try to describe it. And yeah. How, all you can do is all you can do is read the Wikipedia page. It's too complicated. Yeah, describing it is very complicated. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a heavily heavily based in time travel film, but um, on its surface, you know, it it's really an excuse to have this character played in his young form by Joseph Gordon-Levitt and in his older form by Bruce Willis come face to face with himself and and essentially be having to face off with himself right mm-hmm. i mean th- th- like having to deal with i could eat a piece for hours yeah that that kind of face off <laughs> exactly yeah um 
and uh, you know, but but the, but the concepts of the film, you know, really important to it. This idea of looping that uh, you have these characters that are in the past, or I guess maybe our present in terms of the story, that are constantly being sent people from the future to kill. They're like these past hitmen, so they can kill people without being tracked, you know what I mean, or without being traced. Well, in the future, there's got to be some kind of implanted tracker in you. It's very briefly mentioned, which means that we got to send, because time travel doesn't exist today, but it exists in the future, and... Of course, the underground crime lords would have had a time travel machine to send future victims to the past. And to if be a loop, of. Yeah, right. to be disposed of. Because you can't do it now in the present, in the future. Am I confusing yet? And so <laughs> you can be a looper, which means that you are a you have a specific job. You go to a specific place, someone pops out of time, and you shoot them in the head before they can even know what's going on. And they're bound and they're gagged and they've got a, a, a pillowcase over their head. You don't even know who you're killing when they drop through time. Right. It's, it's a burlap you, sack, yeah. Right. You, you you take them, you get the money that was, or the, the gold or silver bar, or silver bars yeah, usually silver. that are strapped to them. Oh, if you then, find gold bars, you're fucked. Then you're closing the loop, right? Yes. But, it, but if you do that, you kill them, then you drop them in an incinerator job done you get your next one whatever it is whether they're doing these on a weekly basis but yeah that's a basic idea but then at a certain point one is sent their future self to kill which is called closing the loop yeah. and that's signified by them getting the gold bars instead of the silver bars that's and the, they, they the turn if you get 30 years into the future your time is up it's part of the it's part of the game right right yeah uh, so and there's 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 also like TKs, which have like mild telekinetic abilities, but they can't really do much more than float lighters and quarters and shit. Right. That comes right. into play. But this, okay, so I saw this movie in theaters. I haven't seen it since, and I'm really glad that we're doing it for the show because it made me watch it again. Uh, I love this movie. Um, this, in companion with Brick, uh, are you know reasons why i love ryan johnson uh one of the reasons i was so disappointed with the last jedi is because i like ryan johnson so much and i didn't care for that movie um but then he did knives out and returned to form a really Mm -hmm. great director i mean there's so much about this movie stylistically and in terms of just like the screenplay and the storytelling really bold decisions like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face, for instance. Um, that is, right there, is the one thing in this movie that I question then and now, wa- watching it again. I do not know how much that actually works for me. I find it to be more of a distraction than anything else. I would have just rather they have said, Joseph, Gor- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you're going to age into Bruce Willis. Let that happen and, and let me go with it. Instead of the weird, like, semi-alteration that they do through makeup and potentially some CGI there, it just doesn't work for me. It, it it takes me like 10 minutes of watching the film until I can get over that. And then I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, I, I, I never got over it. I mean, it's my one criticism of the film. I've already played my cards. The digital Bruce Willis mask that looks like Christian Bale. It, well, it's funny because I was <laughs> when I was watching it, I was like, Henry Cavill wishes that he had gotten this good of treatment on Justice <laughs> League when they had to CGI his mustache out. Oh, and he yeah. had that terrible <laughs> upper lip. You know, I'll, I I agree when I, when I first watched it and then 
on repeated viewing this time, it does take a second to adjust to. But I felt like once I had kind of seen him enough on screen, I just forgot about it. And I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it's, and- it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird, unnecessary notion, except for when you see Joseph Gordon-Levitt's side profile and they put Bruce Willis's very iconic nose pride profile on his face that makes sense but the rest of it is distracting but let's not get bogged down yeah, in that yeah, yeah. it seems like we all didn't it. like you'll that but yeah. no I, I i i did i liked it i think yeah uh, i i at least didn't not like it it didn't affect me really mm-hmm. um so don't want me in there with that <laughs> i was fine with it i thought it was a bold decision i thought it was a brave choice filmmaking and acting are two th- two art forms that are about making choices and i respect it um, it, it, it just doesn't age well the same way that some of the effects in the matrix don't age well but go ahead i also disagree with that too but that's okay um well, let's get into a fight <laughs> <laughs> i just love the matrix so much uh, anyway um okay so let's let's confront the time travel in the room uh i referenced this movie when we um and i i think i've referenced it more than just this one time but the big time was when we did avengers endgame because in avengers endgame if i recall i only saw it the once and god forbid if i ever have to watch it again but they talk a lot about time travel and my recollection is that they abandon most of the things that they talked about and are like, okay, let's establish these rules. Now, fuck those rules. We're not paying any attention to them anymore. We can do the exact opposite of it, whatever. And when we did that episode, I said this and I'll say it again. And I'm sure I've said it since then in between this movie handles time travel so fucking well. And it is, I think, the poster child of how to deal with overly complicated issues that are literally impossible to explain. Interstellar also does it really well in terms of the black hole uh, situation. Um, but basically, anytime time travel comes up, they're like, we're not going to get bogged down in this time travel shit. Like, this is going to give me a headache, you know? And pretty much just like throw it away and are like, come on. Like, the exact particulars of how this mechanism works are not really that important to what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And by dealing with it that way, it's so effective because it doesn't establish any clear rules, but it and it also acknowledges that the people in the story are also slightly befuddled by the entire whole space-time continuum situation. And then it just allows the narrative to play out in a way where you don't have to be constantly thinking like, okay, wait, how does this work? How is that happening? And what rules it does establish play out really well in the development of the narrative and the, you know, building towards the climax of the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of complicated time play in this movie. And you guys know how important the rules are to me. (laughs) It works on the first pass. This movie works on the first pass as far as the rules. Except for one rule, and I'll let you guys decide if we do that now or in the bonus episode for our Patreon. Well, no. I mean, if if it's a – I say – Put it out there now. I mean, well, I'll, okay, well, then I'll do it in a, in a little bit. But I'll say what I love about this movie are the separate action lines that come together perfectly at the climax. Mm-hmm. Like everything is spiraling together and works at the end. And and I, I even liked Jeff Daniels in this movie. And I think that that guy, I think he implies a pretty narrow lane 
But in this movie, he does a great job. Oh, what? come on. Jeff Daniels is great. I don't know. I, where, where, where is this Jeff Daniels is a hack? Uh, and I'm so impressed that he had Jeff a- Daniels is the weakest link in Dumb and Dumber. Well, that's a fucking <laughs> high bar. I don't, I don't even know what that means. But I, I mean, I, I, I guess I do, kind of. You know, Lauren Holly isn't the weak link. I don't. Okay, with it. No, the, the, you just had Lauren episode. Holly, the most obscure no. name, sitting on the tip of your tongue. Lo, no, Lauren Holly's in Dumb and Dumber, but her name doesn't go above the title. Okay. Okay. So, well, there's two names. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There's two names above the title. One of the greatest like comedic actors of our time, and Jeff Daniels. And Jeff Daniels. And Jeff Daniels is the weakest link. There's, sure. There's guys. Here it comes. Already, there is a one-word review for this film. Okay. And it is ingenious. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. There, there it is. This, there it is. This film is so. Joe wanted us to drink the blueberry yep. crumble with with this film, and now okay. I get it. Now okay. Get so, it. so, 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 real, real quick, Brick hit me in two thousand and five like a brick. That movie is incredible, and we need to do it on the show. It's amazing. Yeah. Then he does the Brothers Bloom. Let's just not talk about that. And then he does Looper. And then he does Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I want to talk about that choice now or maybe later. But then Knives Out, he redeems himself. Because I remember the three of us love that movie. I love Knives Out. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, we liked that movie very, very, very much. We talked about it back in episode 67. I think Brick and Looper are still his two. Those are the two I would put at the top of the Ryan Johnson mountain. Um, Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you. I am so pissed off at myself for not having seen this movie back when it was sitting in my shelf for a few months. This movie is so, so good. I'm mad that and, it took me eight years to rewatch it. And David, thank you for uh, doing this one because in, in our, in our backstage conversation, it was let's do back to the future. Cause we yeah. gotta do, we gotta do time travel, but no, let's do looper. And this was the right choice because it, it, it gives a, a level of serious time travel talk to the frivolous nonsense that was Bill and Ted right. music. Right. Which is, you know, again, like you cannot, you can't go into the Bill and Ted's films and, and hope for some kind of serious. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But, but Looper, you can loop Looper is, you know, it, it's a noir in a, in a, in a sense. I mean, it's a, it's like a sci-fi noir where you have these characters that are really, I mean, there's this, there is something very existential about, this premise where like i said the core of it is you're you're fighting with yourself i mean you're literally as this you know looper character joseph gordon levitt bruce willis they're having to deal with the decisions that they at different points in their lives are making that are impacting each other simultaneously this is something that it's really it's it's really existential if you think about it. Well, it is, but and it's something that exists in our like the decisions I make today will impact me thirty years from now. However, I you know what I mean. However, that plays out. But usually, that's so separated, right? Usually, that's so thirty years from now. Me, I can look right. back and maybe shake my head at myself. But there's nothing. I, but here's the situation where because this time travel exists and because they're on this kind of loop with each other, and it's wonderful how you get to see it play out like. There is one 30-year future that was mm-hmm. experienced that ends a certain way, but then there's been another one because That's it ends smart. a different way. That's smart well, that, screenwriting. Yes, absolutely. So it's and it's done very economically. It's not, you know, 
bludgeoning yeah. you over the head with it. Right. Uh, it, it is. This is a very impressive film. I think of all of his films, this is probably the one that still stands up the best to, for me, even though I do love Knives Out and Brick, and I think I yeah. like Last Jedi more than either of you do. But, you know, all that aside, this film is really a master statement in how to do sci-fi action drama and I don't know, there's very few films like this, Children of Men. I mean, there's like a handful of films that I feel yeah. like do this kind of probing of a semi-dystopian sci-fi thing in a way that's very uh, satisfying. Yeah, and, I'd, put, uh, I'd put Terminator 2 on the list. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, that, I think that one definitely tilts more towards action, but, it, but it's got its drama. But the movie is ingenious. I mean, I wrote that down, and then I asked y'all, do we have any ingenious in our respective beer refrigerators? Because I want to say that out loud. This movie is so smart and so mm -hmm. well-written that, I mean, Incredibly well-written. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can tell they put love and care into the script because it matters. For yeah. the content of the film, you know, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, I know, is going to be an asterisk on um, Johnson's career. Depends but on I don't who you ask. I don't blame him for taking the gig, and I don't blame them for hiring him after they see Looper. Right? I mean, I was really excited when they hired him. Like, I thought that was going to be amazing. Like, I was. I just, stuck I just don't think you make. Yeah, I just don't think you make a Star Wars film these days without everybody hating it. Well, it's not even that. No. I, I thought the I, I think where they went wrong, not to get too in the weeds with the Star Wars talk or whatever, but if you're going to make a trilogy, you should have a guiding voice yeah. in that trilogy. Like it should have been Abrams all the way through or Johnson all the way through. Whoever they picked for the first installment should have taken the trilogy all the way. It should yeah. have been Erwin Winkler. Sure, whoever that is. Uh, but I, I mean... The amount of, like, I mean, there's so much minutia to this film. Like, there's so many little details that mm -hmm. uh, all, uh, like, culminate in this epic ending or whatever. And, and they all make sense. Like, there's nothing that's really, like, there's no loose end that's not tied up. And to be able to do that in just a tad over two hours, I mean, that's incredible screenwriting to be able to accomplish that. And I know that, you know, some people may take points away for the uh, voiceover narration that does a lot of exposition in the beginning and stuff and a little bit here and there. But it fits very well the noir genre. Like, I mean, well, it, exactly. It, 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 it's, it's there for a purpose. I mean, I feel like... Ryan Johnson, if anything, is a filmmaker who who definitely has a great love of film, and he's he's not doing things willy nilly. I mean, I think that these, you know, he he's very careful about the way that he he uh, you know sets things up. He's careful about his use of time travel. He's careful about the way the characters develop. He's careful about how he references other films. I mean, I think that there's there's so much about him being a I mean, I guess I would say perfectionist, and I think it bears out in Knives Out too, like where you see it, like him taking on the totally. murder mystery genre and, yeah. and and really doing it that well. Um, I, you know, the, this to me is one of those. It was a film when I saw it the first time that was totally uh, satisfying. Watching it again, it was only that much more so because it stands up because it doesn't have big holes in it, and because Paul Dano is in it, and once again proves that Paul Dano is a fantastic actor 
who needs more credit in uh, in this. He world. he is very good in this movie. Yeah, thank if, you. If if beer in a movie is a stew, we need to put more Paul Dano into it. <laughs> okay, I'm sure we. Yeah, that's that's fine. Well, uh, and, I, and and here's how we and, and here's no here's how we can do it. Here's a future episode. Y'all ready? Yeah. Brick and double indemnity. Is Paul Dano in Brick? Of course. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. No, that he brought he brought Paul Dano back, an actor he'd worked with, a whole move. I mean, uh, I, West like Ant- Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the guy, and I mean he's Wait, the are main. Are you sure Paul Dano's in? Oh God, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the lead. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is who you're thinking. Of. I can't be wrong, like big time. <laughs> As, as well, I was confused. This I, I mean, close I, to the I, last time that I was. I wouldn't That's be it. surprprised if Paul Dano was in it a little bit. He, but no, he wasn't. God damn it! I hate y'all. Okay, I'm I'm going away. Hey, at least we addressed it before we put the episode out, and then the internet. I'm, pu- I'm pushing mute on my microphone. <laughs> I so. I tell me when. Tell me when we talk about the beer. Okay, we'll get. We're there. almost there. I think we're there. Yeah, we're we're close. I I. This beer's great. Like I said, I was upset that I waited eight years to rewatch this movie. Uh-huh. I think that in, you know, putting everything together as to what was happening and all that kind of stuff the first time through, the ending might have like jarred me a little bit more. Maybe um, I didn't feel quite the closure that I did this time because when I saw it this time and I I really understood all the moving parts and was like fully on board the entire time with exactly what was going on and the whole thing with like, oh, he's got the memory and then Bruce Willis mem- – or he experiences it and then Bruce Willis remembers it, the Rainmaker, all that stuff. The ending, I was like, damn, that shit was – that shit was deep. Mm-hmm. Like that shit was crazy. I liked Emily Blunt in it a lot. Yeah. She did a great like Southern accent, which was fun. Um, I, I thought, I thought she was good in it. Um, I mean the, the screenwriter, um, I, I know what, I know where brick and then the, uh, Paul Dano mistake came from. I'll talk about that in a second, but I, okay. you can redeem yourself at, in a moment. The telekinesis and the, and the son, the little boy, that can blow people up with his mind yeah. is a screenwriting device. I mean, it, it is, but I forgive it and I like it. And it's, I mean, it works. It's a screenwriting well, device. Well, I think it's, I think it's handled really well. That's the thing. It's like you, you plant the little seed that, okay, yes, there is TK or telekinesis that exists right. in this future. And, you know, but it's this parlor trick. It's not something that's really taken seriously. And then later on reveal, oh yes, but this boy has an amped up version of that that like and, and go, certainly go. the rainmaker would right well no right. i dis. i mean so i think i think that's the that's the part where maybe i disagree or have a slightly different interpretation is that tk and the rainmaker never click uh, i never made that connection watching it the you know like i I just, you know, you just think the Rainmaker is some new guy that whatever. And then once you realize, oh, the reason that nobody can fuck with the Rainmaker in the future is because of this. And it's like, okay, like all of these things are coming together in a Mm. way that makes sense and is fulfilling. And there's a payoff to literally everything that gets brought up throughout the film. Yeah. Uh, And I think that was like, I think that's a, I mean, 
if there was an example in this film of like brilliant screenwriting, it's all of that happening. Yeah. You know. Now converging. let me ask. What one thing that struck me this time watching it that I don't remember thinking the first time I saw it as much was do you do you think this is one where it'd be it would be worthwhile to go and actually develop that and see well what does happen to this rainmaker character now that this act has been done you know what i mean that i'd um, watch the sequel i'd i'd like to see because i i really am like does being with the mother does that change his trajectory does he become a different kind of figure and on and i've heard i actually looked just to see like has anybody ever even whispered about like a looper sequel or expanding that universe and i don't think anybody has and, and maybe it will just be this standalone exercise in excellence in filmmaking that's fine but there is there's a hint there for me of i would i would kind of like to see like now that the sacrifice has been made that that we've closed, had yeah he that he's closed circle. his own loop yeah. right that joe is has sacrificed himself did that pay off in the way that it did or does the kid still turn out to be the rainmaker yeah i mean that's a nature nurture there you uh, go film you which go. would be interesting uh, did any it's of you look what, at it's what no you, no you hit it on the head carlos the nature nurture thing is what elevates this film it, it many of many things that elevate the film mm-hmm yeah. Did either one of you look up how this movie did commercially? It did really well. Okay. I mean, it was it was not a huge budget film. I think it was you know made for about thirty million, but it made like close to one eighty uh, worldwide. Five million spent on the Bruce Willis digital mask. <laughs> Look, I've said it once. I've said it again. There was a time in Hollywood where you had low budget films, you had big budget films, and then you had that real nice tight. Middle budget, uh, middle yeah. budget Oscar film, The Raging Bull, you know the those kinds of the king of comedies, uh, uh, stuff like that. And this is this is a great example of why we still need that under fifty, over ten million dollar budgeted film. Yeah, you can well, do stuff like this. It it does seem like Johnson is one of the few people who can who can kind of uh, you know make make that sort of thing happen. I mean, Knives Out was a forty million dollar film. So, you know, like that, that wasn't okay. that far off, um, made, made quite a bit more, you know, at the box office and now has a sequel on the way. So we'll, we'll really? see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I must've missed that. Yeah. Well, you missed that, but you didn't miss this blueberry crumble for the second time, perhaps. Uh, were you as happy with what you tasted in your glass this time as you were the first time? Uh, it's better. Yeah. It's better than the first. So, uh, you know, truthfully, this beer might have been one of my very first kind of introductions to um, the. I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but you know, the, the pastry stout as a mm -hmm. as a style of beer. Um, yeah. And I remember getting it and trying it and thinking, "Oh, this is really good. Um, I like this a lot." And then I think actually. Um, it was the first beer share I ever went to uh, at Jeremy's house uh, when he made that gumbo. Mm -hmm. um, and then that, <laughs> that was the first time I ever met uh, – that was the first time I met Daniel and Martin and some of those dudes. And they were real down on this beer. Uh, I had – this was my first pastry stout, and so I was like, oh, my God, it's fucking amazing. Like, uh, I thought it was so good. And they're like, oh, it was all right and you know, blah, 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 blah. Their big critique at the time was that there wasn't a lot of blueberry – um, and I was like, man, I, 
I, re- I remember there being blueberry and in our conversation about it, I was like, okay, yes, I, I, I began to understand their criticism. I, cause there was blueberry on the nose, but it didn't come through in the flavor quite as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that this one has corrected that there's, I mean, the blueberry is heavy on the nose. Yeah. It's not as heavy on the palate. Um, but I am getting it more than I remember the first time I had it. Uh, yeah, I think the I think they have achieved maybe not the perfect balance, but a pretty nice balance of the cinnamon and the blueberry and all of that on that in the yeah. actual flavor of the beer. I agree. I I think it's an excellent beer. I think I think uh, uh, y- you're right. The blueberry on the nose is amazing. It's just a it it's so cool to have it like as you pour it, you can just like smell the the blueberry and they, and it really is almost like a blueberry crumble because you get the cinnamon you get the um you know that that kind of uh, sweetness that that comes along with it but then you know sipping it it's it's not overly sweet it is sweet but it's not too much um it's it's a balanced one and i agree with you the blueberry comes through in the flavor as well i i'm definitely a fan of this beer a fan of ingenious obviously but but a fan of this beer yeah, I mean, no matter how you – you love this podcast because you like the movie stuff and you fast-forward through the beer. Or you, fa- you fast-forward to the beer. But if you like it all, you're sitting here wondering if Joe had one extra sip in his, uh, in his can, and he did – Thank God I do because I'm gonna drink it now. This is a wonderful. There's a lot of really weird whooshing noises. I'm getting that too. Yeah, David, oh. did your AC just kick on? Okay, maybe it did. Yeah, that was that's David. Okay, All start right. over. Okay, good because that was that sucked ass. <laughs> We love Ingenious. I mean, you had them at your wedding, Carlos. It's a Texas brewery. We're a Texas-based podcast. I'm so glad that we can talk about Ingenious one more time because if you've got a situation where you're muling beers from Texas, get to Humble, Northeast Houston, and get yourself some Ingenious Brewing. We've talked about them six times on the show for a reason. They're incredible. And this Blueberry Crumble is an incredible IPA, not a pastry. It is a milk stout, but I mean, it's delicious. And it's one of the reasons why we love them so much. Now, the reason why we love them so much is because they put out delicious beer over and over and over. I'm so glad we got to visit them again and get your hands on some. If you can, you may have to go through nefarious uh, avenues to do so. Hey, whatever you've got to do. Um, whatever you got to do look if you have to close your loop to get it do it you know whatever costs I'd, I'd close my loop to get this beer <laughs> um but yeah i i mean i've i've only ever had one beer from them that i didn't care for um in that all queen the, uh no um it was a cherry wheat it had a kind of medicinal taste to it. Uh, yeah, no bueno. Um, 
but you know, actually it's funny that you bring up the queen, um, because in that series that they did when they released the queen, there were a couple other ones of a similar like theme, uh, that they released at the same time. And one of them was called the tomb and it was a, uh, I think a triple milkshake IPA with like Madagascar vanilla beans, maybe something else. Uh, I think it might've just been Madagascar vanilla beans, but that one i had had a can of, and it was just so sweet and so heavy. I liked it for like a third of the can, but like drinking a whole 16 ounce can of it was just so much, uh, that, you know, so I wouldn't say that I dislike the queen or even the tomb, but it's just a beer you have to share with like, you know, doing a whole can of it by yourself is a lot. And sometimes there are good beers that are that way, you know, like there are definitely, I've encountered many a stout that it's like, yeah, four ounces, five, maybe six ounces of this. I'm good. I don't really need a lot. I don't need a full 12, 16 ounce pour of it, you know? So, um, even sometimes when maybe I'm not jumping through hoops over an ingenious beer, it's really just cause I don't need a ton of it to really have enjoyed myself. Um, but yeah, that cherry weed's the only one that I just outright didn't like. I don't want in any quantity. David, <sighs> we're done. Okay. Okay. I thought David might have something to say about the beer. No, I, I said I liked it. I yeah, I'm done. Okay. Don't okay. All right. Well, well, uh, Carl, uh, guys, what a fantastic <laughs> episode. Okay. Guys, what a fa- <laughs> do it. Guys, what a fantastic episode. Two. I mean, I was lukewarm on the first one, but I mean, we we're, we're, we're we're universal on the second one. Time travel, fantastic beers. You gotta love beer in a movie you do uh how did you feel about bill and ted face the music how do you feel about looper have you had anything from ingenious have you had anything from resident culture where do you stand on time travel and quantum mechanics as a whole let us know you can find us on twitter at beer movie show instagram at beer in the movie facebook.com slash beer in the movie tx uh beer in the movie podcast.com is where you can go to find a link to listen to all of our past episodes episodes uh over a hundred of them um yeah if you're listening to this on apple podcast please rate review and subscribe that helps us out a great deal we know you're going to give us that five star rating believe a written review tell us what you like what you don't like what you want to see more of in the future uh you can also find us on spotify and stitcher uh, you can also become a patron of the podcast, contribute uh, to what we're doing on patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast for $5 a month. It's only $5 a month. Uh, you can get a bonus episode every single week. Uh, you can also contribute less if you just want to like do a good deed and not uh, you know, receive anything in return for it. Um, anything helps us. Um, I also apologize to all of our patrons because I was late with last week's bonus episode. It was record store day. I cannot be held accountable for my actions. Um, but I promise that I will be more timely with all future bonus episodes. We're having a lot of fun on the bonus episodes. It gives us a good excuse to drink a third beer at the end of the recording sesh. Uh, 
And if you are not a patron and haven't listened to those episodes, just to let you know, we're talking about everything in those episodes. We're talking about what we're drinking outside of the show, what we're watching outside of the show, what we're doing outside of the show. We're talking movie news. We're talking trailers. We're talking all that stuff. So that is definitely where you want to go. We're talking all the good shit. Yes. Everything that doesn't fit into the tight hour of the podcast, which as you well know, we have very seldom in the last however many quarantine episodes limited ourselves to just the hour. We've definitely been going over every single time. Um, But yeah, uh, those bonus episodes, unedited, unfiltered, raw and uncut. Uh, (laughs) You know what it is. Until next time. I don't want to talk about time travel because if we start talking about it, then we're going to be here all day talking about it, making diagrams with straws. We'll be right back.